Are you tired of the endless stream of fantasy marketing and vanity metrics? Yeah, so am I. My name is James Patrick, and I'm an internationally published photographer, media specialist, and marketing strategist. I'm also a student of professional development, and like you, I've been left frustrated by all of this influencer-driven generic advice making us think that we are just one course, conference, or manifestation away from the life of our dreams. We need to cut through this crap and move beyond the posturing, beyond the facade, beyond the image to take real action on the real work that will create the real results. This is the Beyond the Image Podcast. Good morning. Hope everyone is having an excellent start to the day so far. James Patrick here. Welcome to our weekly live coaching uh, that we're doing. I got back apologize if the voice sounds a little scratchy i was shooting in los angeles for the last uh, few days got back pretty late last night uh grabbed a couple hours sleep and then back in studio um super excited to dive into this um weekly live coaching if this is your first time uh you get to ask any questions you want uh, whether you're tuning in via Facebook, whether you're tuning in on YouTube, you get to type your questions in right into whatever comment box uh, is is on your platform on marketing, on sales, on business development, on pitching to media outlets, uh, whatever it is that you have some confusion on. Hopefully we can add some clarity for you. Um, as I mentioned, I was in Los Angeles shooting for a couple of days, a new uh, media campaign. Um, for a magazine that's going to be launching here uh, in in a couple months. Um, I don't think they have a name locked down just yet, but um, it's uh, produced by, and this is kind of a new trend I've been noticing. There have been um, these hyper-special uh, or hyper-specific uh, publications that have been launching uh, that are so zoned in and so focused on a topic very myopically. And when this is done, it does a couple different things. It, it very clearly articulates who the readers are, because if this publication is about something so focused you really contrast who your readers are versus who your readers are not. And once you're able to do that, well, then it's a lot easier to find advertisers because you can say with utmost certainty, this is who is consuming this publication. So, you know, it's not going to be, you know, I mean, the days of these mass media publications, I think we've seen that going. And when we hear that phrasing that, you know, print is dead or magazines are going out, when I hear that, I definitely hear it for the mass media outlets. So like, you know, major publications that will pump out you know, a couple million uh, print issues, um, and they kind of cover a little bit of everything, right? They kind of cover a little bit of, you know, let's say like in the fitness industry, it's a little bit of health and wellness. It's a little bit of nutrition. It's a little bit of outdoor lifestyle. It's a little bit of, um, I mean, you know, fill in the blank. I mean, there's so many different things that, that, they will try to cover within the publication. What it does is it kind of waters down the focus and the intention of, of whatever that publication is, is trying to move forward with. And what we're seeing now are 
publications becoming hyper-specific, saying this is what we're about. We're not about anything else. We're allowing other media outlets to be about other things. This is what we're about. And only this thing, okay? And once they do that, they segment who their audience is, and it's much easier to attract advertisers. So um, that's what we were working on when we were out in LA for the last few days. And we even noticed that 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 kind of same positioning with um, with the brands that we're overseeing, Ricochet, Icon Fit, et cetera, which, by the way, uh, final calls for entry for Ricochet Magazine uh, for the next issue. So if you've not submitted yet, uh, best way to do that is to uh, get the link on Instagram, go to ricochet.magazine. We also just yesterday dropped the um, call for entries for Icon Fit Magazine. If you were to go to Instagram, uh, on Instagram at Icon Fit Magazine, you can get the call for entry for that. So both those publications are doing call for entries, but this is your last week to get anything in for the next issue of Ricochet. Hmm. All right, so we got a few people tuning in. As as mentioned, kind of at the top of the show, if you didn't see if it's your first time, you can ask your questions live. Just type them into the comment section or the chat section of wherever you're watching this, whether it's YouTube or Facebook, uh, and we'll get to your questions in in the order that they pop up, whether it's on marketing, on sales, on business development, on pitching to magazines, whatever it is that is um, well, giving you some some concern or some confusion. Hopefully, we can add some clarity to that i had received uh as we're waiting for questions to come in i had received a a question via email um right after the show last week and um the person was asking about the spec the 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 specific approach on how to follow up uh when when it comes to pitching media outlets and one thing we should we should call out is uh one of the people who tunes in uh quite often Jen Shaver, she had come on in one of our first episodes and asked about following up for uh, a TV feature that she was really working to campaign on. And we, we kind of talked it through on the show. And then lo and behold, last week, I see she lands the TV feature. So major kudos uh, to Jen for that for that feature and just took just took a few more follow ups. Um, so I'd received an email uh, about pitching the podcast and the the specific approach on what is the best way to follow up when it comes to pitching the podcast. And I can tell you as a podcast host, I get a few pitches a day, you know, at the low end, I get a pitch a day average is like one to two pitches a day. Now it's hard to read one to two pitches a day on top of all the other work I have to do. So what do we do when we get emails that we might be interested, but we're not really sure. We give it a quick scan at most, and then we make a judgment call based off the quick scan. And the judgment call isn't, you know, I'm going to have this person on the show or not. The judgment call is, am I going to look at this later? That's really the judgment call. Am I going to look at this later? And if I'm going to look at it later, I usually put it into a folder on my computer just called podcast pitches. And I got to be honest, though, it's very rare I get into that folder. And that's... That's not a critique to anyone. It's just a reality of we get super busy and, you know, we're, we're going to take action on whatever's front of mind. So I might 
put in a file that I might look at later. Chances are I don't really look at these things later, but it just means I'm not throwing it out per se. Um, so the ones that come out that stick out are the ones that will send a follow-up message. The follow-up every for podcasts, let's just say every two to three weeks, send a follow-up message. That is not too much every two to three weeks. Now, a follow-up that I don't know if I would enjoy, or I can tell you I do not enjoy, is when someone just says, following up to see if you got this message. I don't enjoy that. And the reason I don't enjoy that is it makes me feel a little guilty for not responding, even though it'd be impossible to respond to all these messages to begin with. Um, so I imagine if I feel that way, others might feel that way. Now, a follow-up that does work, does one of a couple things. Number one, is it further validates the pitch. So a way to further validate the pitch is to add more details on why this idea matters to this show or to this show's audience. So you might follow up and say, circling back around on this, here's some data or here's some details on why this is important to your audience. And just a sentence or two. That's it. Or by the way, I just covered this topic on another show and it went over really well. That audience really dived into this. Or I just wrote an article on this topic if you want more details on why this topic matters to give more context and more color uh, to, this, to this potential feature. Um, you're validating your article. Even if what you are referencing or pointing at is not something you created. So for example, let's just say I'm pitching a podcast on, I don't know, New Media Trends for 2023. It's a talking point I want to speak on. I could point at an article in Ad Age that is covering this that I didn't even have anything to do with, but it just validates my idea. Look, Ad Age is covering this. This is proving that this is important. So let's let's talk about this on your show. This is why I want to discuss this on, on your show. Okay. So that's the one is you're further validating the idea that you're setting. I mean, you could do that a few times. Okay. The second is to throw another idea at them. So after you validate it a few times, you can throw another idea at them and say, if that idea does not work, no worries. Here's another idea that I think would, would hit your audience very, very succinctly. And then you further validate that one for a bit. And then if that one doesn't work, you throw another one out there and you just do this on repeat. If this is a podcast that you believe you deserve to be on, that has the audience that you're trying to reach. You are going to pitch them 12 times, 16 times, uh, 20 times until you get something that that hits through and 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 it, it is a clear signal. I mean, we had uh Hedy Dijamal presenting at Fiposium the last two years. And she's a reporter over at The List, the TV show. And I was pitching The List pretty aggressively for several months and I'd send a pitch off now because I had a pre-existing relationship or I was developing this relationship with Hattie I was getting feedback on the pitch and, and you know I would send something out I'm like here's an idea for your show on what I'd like to do for your show and she would tell me I don't think this fits or this isn't there yet or uh, this needs to be tweaked a little bit and a couple weeks later, I would tweak it and I'd send something else out. 
And maybe that one didn't work just right. And then a couple weeks later, I send something else out. And a couple weeks later, I send something else out. And I think it took, I don't know, four, five, six rounds of this. And then I landed a pitch that she's like, oh, this will work for our audience. And then we were able to do the feature. And so here's, you know, we talk about this at the conference, Fitposium now get published live, which is, it's not a question of if you get these opportunities, it's when. So when you land the feature, what do you have to do? You have to deliver on the feature. You have to over deliver on the feature. Um, that feature went really well. That first attempt went really well. And we made sure that we were plugging and promoting it on our end when that feature, when that feature came out and dropped, because I wanted to make sure that the views of that interview were higher than her other interviews. I wanted to prove the fact that she was right to take a chance on us. We do the same thing with podcasts we're on. I want to validate like, yeah, you were right to have me on your show. I'm not only going to do great on the show, I'm going to make sure the show does really well overall. Um, and because of that, then we were, you know, the success of that one, we were invited uh, to be back on the show a few more times. I think I was on there three times, four times, somewhere around there. Someone on Facebook is saying, good morning, good morning, Facebook user. So as I mentioned, if you're just tuning in, you're welcome to type in any, any questions you have that you want to be coached on, any things that you're working through that you need some support with. Um, feel free to put that in the chat box, whether you're watching on Facebook or YouTube. We can kind of uh, help you work through things in real time. Um, the other day, I was talking to a photographer uh, who was in the process of getting her her business up and running and and into momentum and trying to generate more revenue with her photo business. So tell me if this sounds familiar. She said, "You know, I I can learn all those." all the things about how to take a photo, how to take a great photo. And I take, and she was proud of the photo she takes, but she said, I don't have a background in marketing. I don't have a background in sales. That's not something I have a background in. I'm just curious. Is that something you yourself have said? Like, you know, you're so good at the thing, whether it's training or photography or graphic design or, or illustration or writing or um, coaching uh, podcast, whatever it is, you are good at the thing. You spent all your time learning the craft, the trade. Um, and then at some point you realize you have to market this thing. You know, like you say, well, I don't have a background in marketing. I don't have experience in marketing. So that's why I'm a little behind the curve on this. And here's the truth about that. No one has experience in marketing until they start marketing. And I'll just say that again, it bears repeating. No one has a background in marketing until they start marketing. So marketing is not an innate talent that we are born with. It's not like we are born to be a great salesperson. It's not like we're born with a high marketing IQ. These are not innate to us. That being said, 
They are skills. Talents we're born with. Skills we train. Meaning that everyone who is good at marketing or everyone who is good at sales train themselves to be good at marketing. Train themselves to be good at sales. Which means you too can train yourself to be good at marketing. You too can train yourself to be good at sales. It is learnable. And the fact that so many are doing it proves that it is not a hard skill to learn. But it's a valuable skill to learn. In fact, you cannot have a business unless you learn this skill. There is no business without customers, without paying customers. You cannot make sales that you do not ask for. One of our viewers on Facebook says they've said this many, 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 many times. A lot of times. I'm working on an article right now um, for a magazine. And I've been thinking about the golden rule. Uh, Do unto others as you would want to be done unto you. And I realized That is what it takes to learn how to be a good marketer, how to be a good salesperson. It is not necessarily a master class in in, in marketing or you have like getting an MBA. Think about how you as a consumer really analyze how do you as a consumer want to be approached? How do you want to be marketed to? Pay attention to what messages work for you. Pay attention to what approaches get you to pay attention. Put some focus on what sales techniques are the things that break through the clutter, cut through all the noise with clarity. What works for you? And when you are able to articulate how you as a consumer wish to be marketed to, it is going to be so much easier to lay out your marketing. I think we as entrepreneurs are not honoring how we as consumers want to be sold to or want to be marketed to. And that's a problem. Because if we are not honoring what we as consumers would want, we're just putting things out that are ineffective. And we're seeing the uh, the results of that. You know, we pump something out on Instagram saying, buy my thing, buy my program, buy my course, buy my mass class, buy my mastermind. And no one's taking action. We're like, well, why aren't they taking action on it? Well, would you take action on that post? Be honest. Probably not. You're, you, you're not on Instagram to see a bunch of marketing messages. So when someone's just trying to push and sell to you on Instagram, you you tune it out. You're not there for it. But if someone were there answering your questions that you have, solving your problems, giving clear benefits to you, that's going to raise how they look at you, the perceived value that you have in that prospect's mind. That's how we want to be marketed to because we have discernible eyes. We want to gain 
value. We want our trust to be earned. All right, we got a few questions coming in. Do you have a flyer or a portfolio when you send out a pitch? I'm looking to be more aggressive this year in pitching to magazines. I was looking to develop a physical send away or takeaway. Uh, if you do, can I see it? I'll be in the studio tomorrow. <gasps> Who is coming to the studio tomorrow? Let me pull up the studio calendar. Maybe I can detective my way to figure this out. I don't know who's in the studio tomorrow. Who's in the studio tomorrow? Let me know who you are, Facebook user. Um, okay, so collateral is the question. What collateral do you use when you are pitching to uh, media? Um, so a couple different things that, that you could do. Let me see if I can actually upload this. So one of the things, the main thing we use when it comes to collateral is we use what's called the pitch page. A pitch page is a one-page document that encapsulates who we are, what we do, and what we can do for a media outlet. Um, so for example, when it comes to pitching podcasts, we are always sending out this pitch page. And it could be a, a PDF, it could be a JPEG, doesn't really matter. Um, let me just download it to this computer and I can try to upload it to the screen. That way our viewers uh, who are tuning in can see this thing. All right. There we go. All right, so there's a pitch page. Let me take the user's comment off. So the pitch page covers a few things. One is, it has my name, obviously, and what I do. But there are a few sections in here that I, that I do believe are important. Number one is a good profile photo, so you're showing who you are. Uh, two are the interview topics or the things that you can speak on or the things that you can write about. It is one of the most important things, which, by the way, it's why it's above my bio. And that's the, the third thing is, is a very short, succinct, brief bio. And then, uh, or that's the third thing. And then the, the fourth thing is your contact information. We added some additional context and color to this. We referenced the books that I've written. We've referenced uh, the podcast that I run, uh, some of the media features that I've had, which further validates my credibility, uh, some of the reach I have through my channels, and then our contact information. So when we're sending out um, pitches to podcasts, that's the number one thing that that we're using when, when we're when we're sending emails. Um, when we are doing I'm just trying to think because we've done a handful of things. Um, sometimes we'll send out a a multi-page PDF that encapsulates a lot of what we do. So I have like the pitch page and I also have a media kit. The media kit has like a page for my photography work, a page for my speaking work, a page for my um, my coaching business, a page for my work as a writer, a page for my work uh, as a public speaker. So it encapsulates a lot more. I don't use that one too 
terribly often. Um, more often than not, it's the pitch page. When I'm pitching photo projects, because I just learned this is Matt, one of our studio members. When I'm pitching photo projects, um, I have a separate PDF that's more of a portfolio. So like every page is a different section of my work uh, that I could that I could send out to prospective clients. I have one that I use just for commercial clients. So it's basically like a commercial photography brochure, but in a PDF format. We used to do a lot of printed materials that we would send to clients. Um, for example, the commercial brochure was a printed document that we would send out um, to a perspective like 50 or 100 commercial clients that we wanted to work with. Uh, I came up with two self-published basically portfolio magazines that I was sending out to prospective magazine clients I wanted to have. We just branded it with our with our logo. We just call it James Patrick Magazine. Um, that we did a lot. I did a postcard series uh, where I printed out 12 postcards, uh, each with a different photo of mine. And I sent those off to that was more of a like bulk send out. We sent that out to like, I think I did 150 prospective clients. So every, every month uh, we would send a new postcard to 150 prospective clients. Um, those were some of the things we created. Um, I can say out of all the things, um, the magazine, like that printed magazine was probably the most effective because it was a gift. It, 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 it had a lot more perceived value than a postcard. Uh, it was more expensive to do cause we had to print a whole bunch of these things. Um, but it was a really nice leave behind. It was it was basically a portfolio, but in a magazine format that we could leave at a client. And we would even do it like when we were meeting with like ad agencies. And we would say like, you can leave this in your lobby. Like this is a gift for you. Here's an extra one for your lobby. So we turned it into um, a business card. Essentially, it, the magazine was a business card. When I wrote my first book, uh, Fit Business Guide, after we went through the initial sales round of it, that book just became a business card for me. I had a whole, I had another like hundred or so of them just sitting around. I just send them out uh, for free to, to people I wanted to work with um, as a gift. And, you know, having that magazine that we created as a gift, uh, it, it, it was, it was impressive to client. They liked having it. Um, and it was cool when, because we did a couple different rounds of it. So it was cool when a client would have all the different versions that we did over the years. And they would like text us or email us, say, hey, just add it to our collection. And that was that was really cool. So it shows that they were holding on to those things. Um, so yeah, this is, you know, stuff like this, be, you know, obviously be cost conscious because there's a there's a price tag involved with creating physical marketing collateral. Um, so don't create a whole bunch of stuff. Don't create stuff just to create it. Like don't get a bunch of like water bottles with your name on it if that has nothing to do with with what you're trying to trying to pitch or trying to position yourself with. But if there's some value behind it, it's not just like a tchotchke. Um, like people are appreciative of that. That is, that's something that they um, that they're really interested in.
All right, next question. Speaking of marketing, uh, any tips on getting started with TikTok? Uh, I don't really have any experience with this social media channel. So zooming out and let's let's talk about social media strategy as a whole for 2023. Because what we're seeing are a lot of individuals using 2018 or 2017 or even 2019 approaches to Instagram that is not working now. Because how we use Instagram in 2023 is significantly different than how we use Instagram even two years ago. It has completely changed. Do you remember back in um, like 2020, it was like late 2019, early 2020, when like all the rage was doing lives on Instagram? When's the last time you saw someone do a live on Instagram? When's the last time you watched a live on Instagram? When's the last time you were like, oh, I'm going to sit around for 30 minutes and watch this Instagram live while you're holding your phone? It's it's not, no one uses it. Um, what got really popular on Instagram? Reels. Uh, because of TikTok, Instagram was trying to trying to emulate and, and did emulate what, what TikTok was doing. Um, and this is a roundabout way to answer your question. The point is, is the way we use platforms like Instagram or or TikTok is short attention spans, uh, quick hits of dopamine, meaning the content you're creating has to deliver fast. So looking at reels or TikToks, like I think Instagram like increased the length of TikToks so that you can have them up to like 90 seconds or something like that. The ones that get watched are like 30 seconds or less. Quick quick hits. We're scanning. We're scrolling fast. We want something quickly that either entertains us, inspires us, or educates us. One of those three things, entertainment, inspiration, or information. You need to do one of those three things. You need to do it quickly, right away. I mean, the first two seconds of an inst- or of an Instagram reel or of a TikTok is going to determine whether or not people watch the next 28 seconds. They're not going to give you five or six seconds to get into a flow with your thing. So like, you know, if, if your whole thing is like speaking and you have your camera set up and you press record in the first few seconds, are you stepping back from your phone and composing yourself before you start talking? They've already swiped to the next video quickly. What are they going to get from this video? What are you going to give them? Quick. So the question is, if the attention spans are as short as they are on Instagram and TikTok, which they are, what do you do? How do you get them to a point where they understand who you are, where they understand what you can do for them? And the answer is, is you don't. Not on Instagram. Not on TikTok. Think of Instagram and TikTok now as a handshake platform, and that is it. This is your place where you can shake someone's hand. You get a little bit of that elevator pitch. That's it. This is not a platform anymore for long-form content. You upload videos to Instagram, no one's going to watch them. When I say videos, like anything past the reels. So like Instagram allows you to upload like 
10, 20, 30 minute videos if you want. Like this show would never work on Instagram. Or not never. It would not work right now on Instagram with how Instagram's used. People aren't going to stay on Instagram and watch a show like this. They'll watch it on Facebook. They'll watch it on YouTube. That has a longer level of engagement. So what you must do is you must encourage these individuals that you're shaking hands with to embark into a next step with you. And if they like your content enough, if they've gotten enough quality from you, if you've solved enough of their problems, if you've provided enough value that gives them clear benefits through education, inspiration, or entertainment, then they'll want to take that next step with you. That's them signaling back to you. And maybe that is a YouTube channel. Maybe that is Facebook. Maybe that's a podcast. Um, maybe it's a SMS thread. Maybe it's uh, a webinar that you're doing. Maybe it's an email list that they're joining. But you got to take them somewhere else to nurture them. Because the ability to nurture on a platform like Instagram or a platform like TikTok is significantly harder. The best thing you can do in hopes to nurture is to create bingeable content. So the way bingeable content works is when someone finds a piece of content of yours that they really like, what do they do? They go to your channel and they're going to want to see a lot more content that is similar to that. And if they do not see that, they bounce, they're out. So like, you know, and I brought this guy up on the show a lot. You know, I followed this uh, vegan chef and the way he filmed his recipes was so easy to follow. I saw, I found one. I was like, oh, this is interesting. I go to his page. He's got like a hundred more follow. I'm invested. And I start binging the content, binging it. I'm like, like we binge Netflix. So creating series, essentially. Like, you know, we were doing photo tutorials for, for a long time, but it wasn't until we started to get very clear um, on, on our angle. So we created that whole series on how to create photos that don't suck or how to take photos that don't suck. And now it's a series. So now whenever we release one, all of them in that series get a boost in views because people see the first one and then they go watch all the others. They binge them. Um, that's what I'd recommend on a platform like Instagram or a platform like TikTok. And you could, by the way, post the same reels or TikToks on both. You don't need two different pieces of content. Create one video and upload it to both places. Save yourself some time. All right. Yep. Within seconds, you have to get straight to the point to capture your target audience's attention. What are your thoughts on using Pinterest for marketing? I've heard it can be powerful, but I've hardly hear anyone talk about it. So I've become a Pinterest addict, not for marketing purposes, but because it, it is so fun for me to use it to create mood boards for photo shoots, to, um, uh, to to compile ideas on how I want to design my office or you know whatever it is like it's it's a fun playground for me to to explore and to brainstorm and be creative. Um, I've never used Instagram for marketing purposes because the clients I'm trying to reach are not using Pinterest or sorry I said Instagram Pinterest. 
So only focus on Pinterest as a marketing tool if the prospective clients who you want to hire you are using Pinterest. You just have to be where your prospective clients are. If they're not on Pinterest, so for example, if you never hear anyone talk about it, that's a really strong sign that your clients are not on Pinterest. But if you're hearing a lot of your clients talking about Pinterest and how much they love Pinterest and how much value they get from Pinterest, then you should be on Pinterest. But it seems like this is not this is not where your target clients are. All right. Have you ever gone live on a platform and have had no one viewing you? What do you do? And do you just keep with your plan and keep talking and recording? Yeah, (laughs) I do. (laughs) So we got, you know, I mean, I don't know if you can see, there are people tuning into this, Um, but no, I've, I've had plenty plenty of lives where no one tunes in do not do not sit there and do that thing like we all used to do that on instagram i did it myself too don't do this we're just going to wait for a few more people to jump on well that's really offensive to anyone who's watching you live a because now they have to wait and b anyone who watches the replay is immediately going to bounce so don't do that Um, if no one shows up, no one shows up. That doesn't stop me from doing the show. The show's done, whether or not it's me. And we've had up to, I think, two dozen people on here, or today we have half a dozen. Doesn't matter. The show starts, we show up. And that right there is the difference between people who say they want to do things or people who stay stuck in that amateur status versus a professional. A professional shows up and does the work, even if they don't feel like it. A professional shows up and does the work, um, even when no one else is there. So if I were to have this live show and no one showed up, I would talk about things that I feel are important to share. That's why this show, I mean, before the questions started coming in, I had talking points. And I I didn't have to spend a lot of time thinking of these talking points, only because I've been doing podcasts for I don't know, 10 years. Um, so I can think fairly quickly on the fly. But if let's just say you're newer to this, come up with three to five things that you can talk about in lieu of people showing up. Once again, your role is to entertain or to inspire or to educate. It needs to be one of those three things. And jumping on a live and waiting for people to tune in and just kind of sitting there saying, well, we're just going to wait a little bit longer is neither entertaining, nor is it inspirational, uh, nor is it educational. So think about this. Um, I was challenged recently. I was on a podcast uh, last week, maybe two weeks ago. And they challenged me very wisely to stop using the word value. I say that also, you have to give value to people. This is about providing value. This is making sure your prospective clients are are getting value from, from the work you're doing. 
And they says, well, can you define that? Because value is becoming a little bit overused as a word. And I said, yeah, sure, I can define it. It's solving problems. That's it, solving problems. Your job is to solve problems. It does not matter what profession you are in, whether you're a photographer or a personal trainer or a nutritionist or a coach, your job is to solve problems. Be clear about the problems you're solving and how you are solving these problems. That's your marketing, by the way. That's your talking points. That's your content that you're pumping out. I understand your problems. I hear your problems. Here they are. Let's talk about them. Let's solve them. When you do that, you will build trust and you will build rapport and you will carve out a space in your prospect's mind and in their memory so that when they're ready to make a purchase, you're the person that they think of. Our job is to be a problem solver. It's as simple as that. So get very clear on the problems you solve and how you solve them different than anyone else. How you solve problems differently, that's your unique position. That's your platform. So I can look at my photography business. I help people get published. The problem is, is they need awareness and they need lead generation. What's the solution? Earned media. I get people published. I do it through my photography. We do it through the conference. We do it through our, our, our coaching programs. We help people earn media to amplify their authority and to generate leads. Now, for some, that's not a problem they care about. They'll never hire us. That's okay. But for the people who do hire us, that's something they care about. That's something they want to know about. We solve that problem. So get very clear. What problem do I solve? How do I solve that problem? That's the core of your marketing. That's the core of the content that you are pumping out that will be consumed by your audience. All right. Coffee's empty. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. Hope you have an amazing rest of your 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 Wednesday. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um, as always, I'll post the the times in the Facebook group and on YouTube uh, so that we can um, keep this rolling every week. So really appreciate those who keep tuning in for asking questions. Um, really awesome to to be able to connect with you all. As mentioned, uh, we are doing our final call for entries for Ricochet Magazine. Go to Instagram, ricochet.magazine. Also, we just released a call for entry for Icon Fit Magazine. The information on how to do that submission, go to Instagram forward slash Icon Fit Magazine. You can catch the replay of this show on the Beyond the Image podcast. It will also be up on YouTube, JP Photo AZ. And if you have questions that you need answered offline, text me 480. 480- 605-3254. Thank you all so much. Have an amazing rest of your day and we'll talk to you soon. Bye everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond the Image podcast. Please follow, like, and review wherever you happen to listen to the show. And if you want to connect to me, you can find me at jamespatrick.com, Instagram at jpatrickphoto, or you can text me any of your marketing questions to 480-605-3254. Thanks again.
Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit